I'm Dave. I'm Richard. I'm Tom. And welcome to a special episode of the Goodies Pirate Podcast, where today we're going to be looking not at one of the episodes, but at books and literature produced by the goodies. Yes. We'll start off, in in looking at this, we broke this down into two sections. Basically, what are contemporary books? So books of the goodies or by the goodies. Yep. And then our second section, which are obviously our later reference books, which are books about the goodies. Okay, guys. So I'm not remotely familiar with any of the early work. So do you want to talk us through what was actually published whilst The Goodies was on TV? Our first entry with really any publication about The Goodies would be Core Comic. Yes. In 1973, for a huge run of 52 issues, they licensed The Goodies on Weekly Adventures. It started on the 6th of January, which would have been issue 136. And it lasted for 52 issues. For the Basically a year's run. One year's run. Plus, the goodies made an appearance in that year's core annual. Yes. So, as I understand it, core was basically your typical teenage-like magazine of just a series of comics, like a different comic on every page. Not quite teenage. It, it, it's sort of like, you know, Beano, Dandy, you know, all, all that ill. Probably older kids. Older, older kids. Older, older kids. kids. So, yeah. it's a weekly kids comic, yeah, and it, it featured a number of regular characters, like Gus the Gorilla yes. is one, I think he was their mascot. The Swats and the Blots. And there was another quite popular one called Ivor Lot and Tony Broke, uh, who were two kids. One obviously was very rich, one was poor. Every issue, they would have a self-contained adventure that took maybe one or two pages. The Goody Strip followed the same format. It was a one or two page self-contained strip. It followed the rough format of the series. They would be hired to do something usually quite unusual. And then obviously hijinks would ensue before they wrapped it up in the last panel and resolved the story. So there's no ongoing narrative or anything. It's just every every week they did had a different little adventure. All of these magazines, and there were a heap of these around the time. There was Dandy, there was Buster. They were produced by a company called IPC, which is International Publishing Corporation, which had different arms. The goodies were actually caused only real-world license, I think, were they? The rest were characters they created themselves. That's right. So they didn't do anything derivative from a show other than the goodies. Yeah. So that was a bit of a, a windfall for them. Did did well, but it yeah, didn't go anywhere after that. Core itself had started in 1970. Had been around for a couple of years, got the goodies in there, and soon after, that sort of got merged in with other ones. and Got merged in a buster, I think. Yes, it's probably a little alien here for, for people in Australia, but IPC did a lot of stuff. They did Buster, they did Jack and Jill, they did Play Hour. For older kids, they did stuff like the Battle Comics. They did like an action comic. And of course, their big publication later on, we get to the late 70s, is 2000 AD. So were the goodies appearing in this as characters or were they writing for it? What's their connection? The goodies themselves, obviously, because they had the rights to the goodies characters, I think they got to see storyboards and that before they were done. They had no hand in actually writing or drawing the thing. It was drawn by a chap called Joe Colquhoun, who I think is quite a well-known and well-regarded British comics artist, he I was, think, from that era. He was. He'd done a lot of work around there, but in a lot of the studios, they just they were releasing dozens of comics mm. a week, and so they're all staff artists and staff writers. Um, the writers were Scott Goodall and Terry McGee, mm-hmm. so they, they were responsible for writing the strips and... Obviously, and that went off for approval. 
Yep. I know the goodies themselves were quite impressed, actually, I think, with the comics, or most of the ones they saw. Tim liked them. Yeah, I know Graham did too, I think. Mm. I think they were, they were both very happy with them. And that would be the first exposure Australians had to the goodies, because <laughs> the, the show didn't start here until late 73, but... That there was sort of that time-honoured tradition, I think, of British publications where if they had any unsold copies... They'll put on a ship and we got them about three months later through yeah. Gordon and Gotch. And they'd be sold here. So there, there probably is that idea that, yeah, there's probably Kitty somewhere who suddenly had been reading corn suddenly, oh, wow, they turned it into a TV series. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so what comes next? So that's those. So the next one, I, I think, really then is the goodies annual. Yes. Which would be roughly contemporary with the towards the end of the core run because the, they used to release the annuals around September and they were obviously like, like a stocking filler really for, for parents to buy for kids for that Christmas season. I think again for Australians that the annual idea probably is a, not something that we really had over here. So it was like a yearbook. Mm. So you would have, and if you look at the goodies one, we'll put some sample pages up on the, on the Facebook page uh, for people to have a look at. You, you'd get a couple of like comic strip stories with new adventures you then get a couple of little text adventures and in between those you would get like puzzle pages and and fascinating facts Mm. so so again what sort of age group are these being aimed at probably older kids so if you look through the goodies one there's some little short biographies basically of, of each of the goodies there's a comic strip story then there's a text story but then when you get in between them there's a scene here. The race was obviously the episode in production at the time when the um, when the photo crew went out, yep. because there's there's a little uh, thing there about filming the series and you get to see them at Le Mans. There's a little fun page here about Graham's multi-purpose spectacles. So, what would have been the involvement of the goodies themselves in this sort of thing? In this one, next to nothing. Conflicting stories are a they really really hated it and they did not like what was done with the character of the annual, but in one of the Robert Ross journals, he said that uh, they were quite pleased with the result, at least maybe with the sales results. <laughs> well, they clearly had some input into it, though, because there's a section there where the goodies have drawn themselves. Mm. You know, and you, you sort of look, Graham's picture is actually because Graham is a reasonably good artist, so mm. there's a very nice little pen and ink drawing by Graham. There's a picture of the three goodies as seen by Bill. And then at the very bottom of the page, you get the three goodies as seen by Tim, which where he's drawn himself basically as a stick figure. <laughs> It's pretty much on a par, I think, with most of the other annuals around the same time. I mean, this isn't too dissimilar to some of the Doctor Who ones that I had as a kid. Yeah. One interesting note here is actually about halfway through the annual, they actually put a thing saying, end of part one. They then go into three fake cartoon ads and then go, now back to the goodies for part two. (laughs) And the fake cartoon ads, uh, there's one there which clearly prefaces one of the fake ads they would actually do in the series which is the secret of Heim's new common market burgers. And the picture of snails. <laughs> burgers, that is Heim's new common market. Pictures of snails. Burgers have far more, another picture of snails, than any other brand around, uh, which of course is reused in the series uh, with a slightly variation. So that's those. If you've ever seen any of the Doctor Who annuals, or the Black Seven annuals, or the Dalek annuals, or the no, they used to do. They're, they're all produced by a company called World Distributors, um, who I think did basically all of the annuals. They I did think all of the annuals. They had in-house writers and artists doing everything on there. There's Star Trek ones. There's Six Million Dollar Man ones. There's it, Knight Rider ones when any, you get into the eighties. Exactly anything that was again, it's a it's a tip, stereotypical British book. The licensing of the American shows, you know, these annuals were released in Britain, not 
anywhere in America mm. as well. So, you know, the Six Million Dollar Man, Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica, all of these well, things. professionals annuals oh, too. That's I think, right. Oh, yeah. Look, professionals, you know, Robin of Sherwood, all of those things all had. Mm. Jerry oh, Anderson series. A lot of Jerry Anderson series were there in the 60s, but right up, including Terror Hawks, had an annual. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, UFO. They also did the ones for all of the comics at the time we're talking the core they had uh, annuals right up into the late 70s early 80s mm. buster yeah I, i've still got a couple of the ones i had i've still got a couple of the 2000 ad annuals i had yeah. when i was a kid and, and uh, one for tornado which yeah. was a short leaf magazine i think that got rolled into 2000 ad it did. but yeah so that's that's those and the content is very similar across through them you get a couple of new little stories and then some you know the, the doctor who ones would have fun facts about space yeah. whereas the goodies are probably more you know something a bit more goodies related like there's a crossword bill's crossword which is all goodies stuff so so that that's the annual that's now quite hard to come by i believe Daniel. <laughs> i think it sold very well i don't know whether it was actually released here or not to be honest i've never i never saw it here in australia um, um, I don't think, because of course the, the thing with these is, as we said a minute ago, they would ship them off to the colonies, which I guess let's face it, they didn't want. That's how they sort of started the place. But uh, but it was really only if they had unsold copies. So if the issue of core or the annual involved or whatever had sold pretty much to its print run, nothing here. So what do we have next? The next book was the goodies file. This actually had much more input by the goodies. Primarily, I believe it was Graham. 1974 saw the release of the hardcover in October, followed the following year by the softcover El Cheapo edition. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it is loosely based on a dossier that's been put together by an ex-cleaner on each of the goodies. This and is Edna Toll. This is Edna Toll, who's trying to extract money in exchange for information, which is really based around almost like the spy catcher trials of the time. Yeah, okay. It's a bit haphazard throughout. But looking at it, you can see there's that mix of just plain text or replicated letters, sheet music, photos, you know, replicated, you know, or, or mocked up handwritten notes, Correct. diagrams, you know, all, all sorts of things. It, it, it's it's actually, quite a complicated thing to look at. Yes, it's fairly similar actually probably to some of the Monty Python books that really? they did in the, in the 70s. Almost at the same time, I would have mm. thought. Monty Python's brand new Papabock mm. and the Big Red Book came out 74, 75 themselves. Somewhere around there. Well, again, we'll put some uh, sample pages up maybe on the Facebook page so you can have a look at it. Every page, really, every couple of pages has a different thing. There's little um, sort of imaginary biographies of each of the goodies. There's a rendition here of the goodies theme song them fiddling their tax returns. There's one section here where they're actually being hired by Prince Andrew to go in and do a private show for him in the palace and they're sitting here, how they're going to work out and how they're going to get in and do it. And then I think it ends with the fact Mummy says you can't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to the next item. What have we got? All right. The next one was a sequel to the goodies file called the goodies book of criminal records, which is the goodies dossier in response as a legal means of the goodies file against Mrs. Edna Toll. Yes. To me, this is actually probably the best of the three books. It's certainly the most cohesive. You can certainly feel or sense a lot of Graham in this uh, volume than anywhere else. Again, a bit like an annual or anything else where they've got a fun page or something else happened with it uh, all put in there. And it's taking 
Sphere publishers to court saying, you've got it all wrong about us and this is their case for the prosecution. Okay. Um, so between the goodies, plaintiff and Sphere book publishes the defendants by the solicitors terribly terribly boring and dull (laughs) (laughs) and you get all sorts of things like rip-offs of core comics with Cecil the SWAT Uh, (laughs) and you've got Mary Graham's page of facts with a PH and fun with a PH the goodies secret code here is the message in the goodies secret code it gives you a jumble of letters and it says answers on page 98 and when you work it out the actual code is answers on page 98 <laughs> <laughs> or Graham's instructions how to build your own computer yes using a paper cutout and a model of a printed circuit board <laughs> or let's talk cockney rhyming slang it says cockney Sid a working class person watch your mates us cockney sparrows is us using this ear rhyming slang and you can all do it and all apples and pears means stare see easy isn't it well here's some more Apples and strife, wife. Apples and flute, fruit. Apples and combat, wombat. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Uh, it actually feels like a lot of Graham's writing that he does in. I'm sorry, I haven't a clue and just mm. components of. But, but looking through these now, they're incredibly involved volumes. Like yes. just just in terms of the layout and production as well as the writing, they're they're, they're no cheap and nasty. No, a lot of time and, and work has gone into those. And the goodies themselves had a lot to do with these ones. Okay. What's next? Well, the third one, and this is the last of the Sphere books, is The Making of the Goodies Disaster Movie. This is a little different from the others. There's a lot of different sections in it, but this one actually is a really coherent story. Yeah. So it starts off with the idea of them wanting to pitch their movie and their idea of them making a movie. And then it goes through pretty much everything that goes wrong while they try to get it set up and made. Yeah. There is a joke in there which I think Paul Hogan used. There's a page in there where they're talking about the many expressions of Charles Bronson. Yes. Where every single emotion is just this stoic face. Now, I seem to remember Paul Hogan doing the same gag, I think, on one of his shows. See Charles Bronson in love. See Charles <coughs> Bronson upset at the death of his friend. See Charles yeah. Bronson. And again, it's just this horribly stoic. Yeah. yeah. And I think other people use it with other yeah. uh, actors and things like that. But yes. Now, from what I've heard, the myth or the legend is that a lot of this was drawn from the pages of real life. Is that actually the case or is it completely made up? I know they were quite interested in doing a movie. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly Graham and Bill, because it presumably would have been them writing the script, we're probably almost, that would have been probably around 75, really at the peak of 70. We've talked about Series 5 being their peak. Yeah. Uh, and I think we would be in that sort of era. We're probably getting to the end, really, of the popular TV shows transitioning to movies era. There are still ones after that, but a lot of the ones like the On the Buses movie, the Steptoe yeah. movie, the Alf Garnet movies well, had really, stuff that was done by Hammer. Had, had really been and gone yeah. by that point. In Britain particularly. Yes. And, and of course, given let's face it, in the movies they do a whole thing about the demise of the British film industry. Yes. So, and I think the other thing probably with it is also, the goodies would have been a very expensive movie to film. So there probably is that sort of cringe at the potential cost, I, I would have thought, for any producer. Yeah, you could imagine it would have been very much the cost of making a series. Yes. Except you only get one 90-minute movie. Yeah, basically. That's Pretty right. much. Yeah. I do get the impression reading through this, some of this perhaps isn't entirely fictional. Uh, I mean, look, there's obviously a lot of stuff that is. But <laughs> I, I do perhaps, some, some of their experiences perhaps do make their way in here because there was a period, yes, where they were very keen to make a movie. So maybe the exercising of a few demons yes. may have occurred. Could um, be. They'd already ruled out the possibility of doing stage shows because they'd sort of come up against a thing more Python 
because they were doing stage shows at this point. Well, Python have these sketches, these classic sketches that you can do for three minutes, the audience laugh, and then you go and quickly change and do the next classic sketch, whereas the goodies one would have to be a big production with a story yes. and a... Which is what Python did in their films anyway. Yes. Because at that time, the disaster movie book was written, I mean, they would have been in pre-production for Life of Brian. Yep. So Holy Grail would have already been out. So, yeah. And, it's and, and famously, Life of Brian only got made because George Harrison mortgaged his house and put up the cash. Yeah, that's right. And, and yeah. when, asked, when asked why famously said, well, I just really wanted to see the movie. <laughs> just on um, publishing... The Criminal Records came out in 75 mm. in hardback. Then 76, we got the paperback of Criminal Records. 77, we got the hardback of Disaster Movie. And 78, we got the paperback. In terms of availability now, they're reasonably easy to find. Yeah. Particularly if you're, if you're happy taking a paperback. eBay, the yeah. resellers on Amazon, eight books. Yeah. yeah secondhand bookshops. Uh, any of those. They're, 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 they're quite easy to come by. So I'm looking at what's next on your pile, Richard. And this looks like... Not something I'd expect the goodies to do. Tell us what it is. Okay, so the next the next ones on our list, and these really are our last contemporary books on the goodies. These are the two goodies fun books. Now these were actually done as a mail-in giveaway. Uh, they were done through Cadbury's, and the idea was they advertised in a lot of the kids' magazines like Buster and whatever. If you sent in ten wrappers from selected Cadbury's products and something like 5p to cover postage, they would send you back one of these fun books. You had to mark what your age bracket was so you'd get the right one, because with the two different books, there was one aimed at the 5 to 8-year-olds and another one's from the 9 to 13-year-olds. 9 to 13, I can just about get my head around. The idea of a 5 to 8 for the goodies yeah. is just the most remarkable concept, particularly in the UK where these were going out at 9 o'clock. Well, I think... And again, we'll put some sample images up, but if you look at the five to eight-year-old one, it's done in very simple terms. I mean, the front cover is basically the goodies in a toy house. Yes. It looks like you get on play school. Yes. And the idea is these books are, they're done by IPC, who did Core, obviously. Yep. And there are other stable of publications. And, and what they are is they're reprints of a couple of the goodies core comics and then some other comics from some of the other IPC publications that clearly the goodies think you might like to read. And, and there is actually a small picture in a lot of them of one of the goodies introducing the story. Yeah, so Tim says, here's a story about XYZ, yes. have a read, and then they just read yeah, so And they've reprinted it from one of their many, many publications. And so some of those publications for the five to eights, Teddy Bear, Jack and Jill, Bonnie... Play Hour. I, I do remember reading some of these other comics as a kid when I used to get some of the kids' comics. Um, there's like Pinkie Puff, the little elephant with the long trunk, uh, Roxy at the end of the rainbow, Flip Tail the Otter. Mm. There's also some, again, there's sort of some fun pages in between. There's one here, the goodies game, Up the Carrots and Down the Cucumbers. <laughs> yeah, what, which, what did they get away with today? Yeah. <laughs> And then we go through, there's some basic little puzzles, but they, these are very much cartoons aimed at, at younger kids. And then if you look at the older kids, they, it's the same basic format, but again includes stuff for older kids. So there's a couple of reprints from Goodies Comics. There's some stuff, there's a page here with some oddities of nature, introduced by Bill Oddie. Some older comics like some of the, the thing here, Sword for Hire. Thrill with Tim to a drama-charged tale of the unknown with the ghost hunters. <laughs> so these came, again, from the older comics. We're talking there. Wizard and Chips, Hurricane, Buster, Sally. 
So, and did the goodies have much or any involvement in these at all? No, that have been paid a licensing fee, I would think. Probably. That'd be about and it. They, yeah, they, they, these these are both quite rare, I think, because they're really just a mail away thing. So they're probably not something that if you did have them, they probably got chucked. Yeah. So that's all the stuff that was published during the run of the show. Yes, and for the most part, the goodies actually had an active involvement in to a degree, if not more so, with their own goodies pile, and a lesser degree, the annual and things all right so what comes afterwards well we then really get into the 1990s when you start to have people doing research on the series and starting to write reference material yes now the first two actually are quite notable because they're both australian and they're actually both victorian yeah so the very first one is a thing called the goodies fact file by matthew k sharp Mm. Uh, fortunately now departed goodies fan Yes, someone that we all knew. Yes, sadly, yes, he's no longer with us. Yeah, but very sad. This is the first reference thing on the goodies I ever remember seeing. Yeah. This is about mid-90s. Yeah, I can remember when I first saw that when he came along to a Doctor Who Club meeting, actually, and was selling them. And I just remember a number of us being very excited just to have a complete episode list of the goodies that we'd actually never had before. No, mm. and, and, and a decent reference material. It was published as part of a larger series. He was part of a comedy group, and they published a thing called Laugh Magazine that went through like classic comedy series, classic comedians from, from all around the world. And the Goodies Fact File was published as an issue of Laugh yes. magazine. I don't actually know how widely distributed this was, though. And to be honest, I don't think it's ever been reprinted, so this is very much a, yeah, it's very a one, one and done, I think. But it's about 24 pages, and it has a short biography of each of the goodies. It's got some of their pre-goodies work, like I'm sorry, I'll read that again, and I'm sorry I haven't a clue, yep. uh, and broaden your mind. It has an episode guide with, with short descriptions for each of the episodes. Um, it has a little section on the videos, on the books, and on the records. And then a short section on what was taken out of the episodes when they were shown here. I, I do remember being quite excited, like you, Dave, when I got this, because this really was the first reference book I'd really ever seen mm. on the goodies. And this was quite a good little publication. The next one in our list is the goodies episode guide or the episode summaries mm-hmm. which is by yes it's another victorian publication which is by brett allender yes which was done for the goodies club so goodies rule okay brett had a lot to do with the goodies club yes he did put this together he was the editor of the newsletter yes the goodies clarion globe yes it's far more expansive on the episodes than uh, what was in Matthew's. Yes, it doesn't really go into anything outside of the goodies. Yeah. This this is solely just a reference work on the goodies and their episodes. And we should make clear, these are both self-published. Yes, yes. yes. So yes, these are both self-published. It's a detailed look at each episode. It sort of goes through an expanded version of the plot. Um, idea of quotes, classic scenes, which are obviously his selections, but guest stars, if there are songs, mock adverts. Plus, he gives his own little critique yes. at the end of it, and he gives it a rating out of five. Yep. Yeah, so that again, that was quite a good guide to have because back in the days when there were episodes you still hadn't seen, this wasn't a way to, to sort of pick those up. I think he's actually now made this available through the goodies rule okay website i think this might have reached the end perhaps of its publishing life Mm -hmm. i think he's written a slightly expanded version and and i think that's now just available online through the 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 club name is the goodies rule okay brett is a listener so hello brett if you're listening to this one and thanks very much this book has been incredibly useful in putting the podcast together yes it has so well done the next two books came out in the 2000s and they're both by the same chap 
which is a gentleman called Robert Ross. Yes. Now, Robert Ross, just before we go into a description of the books, he is a well-known UK comedy historian and writer and expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done books on Carry On. He did a biography of Marty Feldman. The Monty Python Encyclopedia, The Complete Sid James, Steptoe and Son, The Carry On Story. So the first one he did was a book called The Complete Goodies. Basically, it is the encyclopedia of the goodies. He starts at A and he goes through to Z. And it has appearances, there's singles, most of them, doesn't list them all there. But, you know, appearances on Blue Peter, Blankety Blanks. The drawback for me was being totally alphabetical. You've got the episode guide starting under G. So goodies, series one, episode one, and then mm. goes right through that, right through the middle of it. Is it a very sort of dry research piece of thing, or is it... You know, got some mock stuff in there. What's what's the tone of the book? Uh, look, it's just factual to, okay. to what it is. So it, it gives a well-detailed episode guide in there. Some really interesting bits and pieces. Again, some various lengths based on the information to hand that is really on where the goodies appear. So, you know, Graham appeared on an episode of Blankety Blanks. If I Ruled the World uh, show that Graham was a panellist on and Tim also appeared on an episode. So that, you know small or large detail to it so yeah it's more like an encyclopedia than anything else of the goodies so that came out in 2000 so the other one that robert ross did is called the goodies rule okay came out in 2006 it is a chronology of the goodies basically so it does go not quite the other way with just a to z it tells of the from being born going through cambridge creating the goodies then it gives a uh, one to two page description of every episode through there. And then it goes into what happened after the goodies, almost up to the return of the goodies and what came out on CDs and records at the appropriate time in the release time of that. Now, this also came out under the discount brands in England called The Complete Companion. So it was exactly the same book, just a different dust jacket. They, and I do remember them, they were quite good books for the time. Unfortunately, I think they're probably all overshadowed by the one we're going to talk about last, mm. which is an extremely weighty tome called Super Chaps 3. Now, I know we've given this a few plugs in the podcast already. It's by Andrew Pixley, who is a well-known UK TV historian and researcher and who's done a lot of work in the Doctor Who space. He's also written books on Callan, on the Avengers. He did the detailed viewing notes for when they did the Professionals box sets. Yes. Um, oh. He also wrote the ones actually for the Goodies DVDs. Yes. If you have the UK editions, I don't think those booklets made it into the local releases. But if you have the UK editions of the DVDs, he did the little viewing notes in there. He also did the notes for Ripping Yarns. Yes. This is pretty much everything you've ever wanted to know about the Goodies and then a whole heap more. <laughs> um, it's 602 pages mm. packed with facts. It's done as a chronology. Yep. Um, and it starts really in 1940 with the birth of Timbrook Taylor. It jumps quite quickly into the 60s, obviously, when they're yeah. at uni and then they meet and start working together. And then it goes just chronology year by year through. And there is an immense amount of detail in this. It is meticulously researched. It was like he was there. Yes, very much so. But but one of the things that I think is most useful for this is that it does record 
a lot of those contemporary references that are starting to be lost to the mists of time. Yes, and that was one of his stated goals in doing this book, is recording a lot of the cultural references and a lot of the things that, that would be now probably lost. And yet he still doesn't understand hype pressure either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should say that all three, the two Robert Ross books and, and Super Chaps 3 have all had a lot of input from the goodies yes. as well. So... This I, I really can't praise this book enough. This this is as I said, this is anything you ever wanted to know about the goodies and more. It goes through chronology how the series was made. It has filming dates, editing dates. It has transmission dates. It has a breakdown of each episode and gives you the cultural references and things you might have missed. There's a breakdown of the records. Uh, it, it is almost like being there with them, really. Yeah, and look, there's just so much detail in there. I mean, you read through the book. It goes into a comedy festival showing here in Melbourne by Ben McKenzie. Yes, on a record or an OBE. A record or an OBE. You know, it's just that sort of... He mentions Kit and Kong in there he as does. well. What's the availability of... Well, this was originally released through Kaleidoscope Publishing. Now, Kaleidoscope, uh, a TV archival body, he initially wrote this to be sold through them with proceeds going to fund their work. This is still, I think it's the physical copies have now been withdrawn uh, through Kaleidoscope. It is still available through Lulu, which is a print-on-demand service. Um, so if you are in Australia and you want to get a copy of this, you don't have to pay international postage. You can get it printed here and shipped to you from, from a printer here in Australia. You can also buy it as a PDF. You can. If ebooks are your thing. So yeah, this, this is still readily available. Okay, that's good to know. Probably with the other reference books, Matthew's, I don't think, been reprinted or ever seen beyond the initial printing, so I think that one. Brett's, if you were to approach the club, I don't doubt Brett would probably sell you a um, sell you a physical copy mm-hmm. uh, if you wanted one, but otherwise they are available online, and the two Robert Ross ones, you would really be looking at a second-hand book source. Yes, very true. So there we go. Do you want to pick a favourite? Of all the books, it's the Pixley. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'll pick two. So for the reference books, look, we really can't go past Andrew Pixley's. It is everything you would want to know. I do remember buying each of the previous books and being increasingly impressed with the level of detail that were in them. So each book did really build on what came before. Mm. And look, I do still whip uh, Brett's Guide out. I have had a flip through Matthew a couple of times in doing this. Unfortunately, I don't know where my copies of the Robert Ross books are, but, but that's those. And for me, probably the books of the goodies... I'm actually going to go for the goodies file because that was the one I had when I was young. The school library had the other two sphere books, but uh, the goodies file was the only one I had when I was a kid, so I'll probably go that one. Okay. Well, the ones by the goodies, I'm probably, just just for the readability of it, uh, the criminal records. So mm-hmm. that's what I enjoyed. What we haven't touched on, and I don't mm. think we've actually got any of them here, is the books by the goodies separately. Oh, yes, uh, the ones I wrote, like Tim's book on cricket. Cricket. And um, golf. Graham did a novel called The Seventh Man, which was basically Kim Philby, a pastiche of the uh, mm-hmm. okay. incident, and also a book on medical humour as well. So, And also Tim and Graham collaborated a lot on the... I'm sorry, I haven't a clue books. Oh, uh, yes. That uh, came out, and a lot of the jokes, of course, uh, yes. comes out of Graham's fertile mind. Bill is the only one of the three who's written an autobiography, and his is called One Flew Into the Cuckoo's Egg. Uh, and yeah, and of course, Bill's written bird watching books uh, as well, so probably too numerous to 
Well, well, I mean, in the UK particularly now, that's yep. what Bill is actually known for more than the goodies. Yes. So that's those. Look, I hope that's been interesting. And you maybe now know more about goodies books than you did... Uh... No, there, there are definitely books there that I've never seen before. It's interesting to know about them. I'm going to make a special mention here, though, of Matthew K. Sharp's book, because... Mm-hmm. As I said, it was literally the first time we ever had yes. a list of the goodies episodes, what they were called. It had a list of what was missing and what we hadn't seen in Australia. And even basic stuff like when and where the goodies were born, where they went to university. We kind of knew a bit of that just in the zeitgeist and from chatting to fellow fans. But this was the first time we could have it. And I remember going home and just devouring yeah, that. Yeah, likewise. And yes, it absolutely has been surpassed by you know more and more professional works. But it's something where we had nothing and then we had this. That was a very worthwhile time. Hmm. there you go thanks for listening to our special episode we'll be back next week with regular episodes and we're now into season 6 with Lips or Almighty Cod but as you go and buy some tulips from Amsterdam maybe you'll take a walk in the Black Forest you've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies if you've enjoyed what you've heard please do leave us a review on itunes we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes so please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc goodies goody goody yum yum (laughs) 